What are you grateful for in 2018? Welcome to episode 269 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Susan, Mary, Charlotte, and Debbie. They use the donation button on our website. Thank you, Susan, Mary, Charlotte, and Debbie, for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at the Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I am your host today. I'm going to start with a reading from our daily reader, One Day at a Time. This is May 5th. I have much more to be grateful for than I realize. Too often, I don't remember to give thought to all the things in my life that I could enjoy and appreciate. Perhaps I don't take time for this important meditation because I'm too preoccupied with my woes. I allow my mind to keep filled with grievances, and the more I think of them, the bigger they loom. Instead of surrendering to God and His goodness, I let myself be controlled by the negative thinking into which my thoughts are apt to stray, unless I guide them firmly into brighter paths. And so, at least once a year here on the podcast, I like to pause and consider the things that I'm grateful for, and also the things that you are grateful for. So a couple of weeks ago, I put out a call for expressions of gratitude I want to thank everybody who responded so that we can have a multi-voiced gratitude episode today. Christiane writes, Just finished listening to your latest episode. I wanted to chime in about being thankful. This was something that I asked for help with from my therapist. She recommended a daily journal called Knock Knock. Okay, fine. I'm grateful. It's an inner truth journal. I ordered it and look forward to filling a little bit out each day. It will be my daily bit of thankfulness. I am thankful that I found Al-Anon this year. I have struggled with growing up with an active alcoholic family, married and divorced one alcoholic, and am married to another. It has been my life pattern to go to therapy to find, try to find out, why am I not happy? Lol, little did I know I was codependent and an adult child. Al-Anon has literally been life-changing, very cliche, but true. I'm also thankful for your podcast. I drive for a living, so having the episodes to keep me company on the road is wonderful. I hope you, your family, and listeners all have a blessed Thanksgiving. Thank you, Christiane. Donald writes, I am thankful for the days my wife does not drink. I am thankful she normally makes it a week or more between drinking. I am thankful we are still together. I am thankful for our kids. I am thankful for not having an addiction myself. I am thankful for family support. I am thankful for the recovery show. I am thankful for our good friend who found and recommended the show. Thanks, Donald. Catherine says, Hi, Spencer. I'm responding to your request for gratitude submissions for the Thanksgiving episode of The Recovery Show. Your work fits into what I feel most grateful for right now, which is vulnerability and understanding. I'm grateful for the people in my life who give me second chances after I isolate myself from them. They see my weakest point and still greet me with understanding when I return to them. Growing up with an alcoholic parent taught me how to isolate in self-defense when I was a child. First, there's the stigma of admitting to others that one's own home life is turbulent and disturbing because of addiction. I hid the reality of my life from everyone out of shame. Then there's the coping mechanism of shutting off feelings in order to keep from getting hurt further by the behavior of the addict. 
When those defenses become normal, it's very difficult to relearn how to relate to other people and my own feelings. As a consequence, I don't have the kinds of relationships I deeply long for. I keep people out, just like I held my alcoholic at arm's length for my own safety. But I'm grateful for the chance as an adult to take responsibility for learning a new way of being and relating. The Recovery Show teaches me that there are so many other people going through the same kind of education. Your frankness in discussing your own journey and sharing those of others gives me the strength, hope, and courage to make my present and future better by working on myself. I'm not my past. I can make different choices and become different. I'm grateful for you and those close to me who accept with patient understanding my journey toward greater vulnerability and intimacy. Warmly, Catherine. Karen left us a voicemail of gratitude. Hi, this is Karen. I'm just calling about the episode with gratitude. I called, I guess, maybe last year or sometime in the spring. I had left a message about my mom who was very sick. And uh, since that time she passed away, but actually my father passed away, the alcoholic in my life. He passed away before her five weeks, actually. They passed away very close together. And this is my first Thanksgiving without them. They died, I guess, relatively young, uh, late 70s. Some people comment to me about that, but in a way, I, I, this may sound strange, but I'm, I'm glad they had passed in some ways because they're not suffering anymore. And I was really afraid of that, that it kept me up so many nights thinking about how they would pass away. My dad had a stroke and he passed away three weeks later. And then my mom passed away, and a lot of people also say, oh, they must have been in love, and they loved each other, and they did, but it was a very dysfunctional relationship. But because I have Al-Anon, I was able to be at peace with them, to be with them when they passed away that very night by myself, and... That gives me a lot of peace. If I didn't have Alan on, I don't think I would have ever had the strength to say goodbye to my mom and dad by myself. And I have a brother and sister, and they weren't there because they couldn't handle, I think, all of this because they really don't have a strong recovery program. So this Thanksgiving, even though it's my first one without my parents, I know that I'll be okay. And I'm grateful that I can continue with my life. And even though there's many family members fighting still, and they're looking to me to kind of fill that that void, all the people that my mom and dad enabled. But I just wanted to say that I'm grateful for Alanon, that I was able to say goodbye to my parents, and that I'm able to go on and be a strong person, and on the days that I'm not, I know I have a program to help me. And on Thanksgiving, I'm going to start it off with a meeting. And I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I might spend the day by myself, which a lot of people have problems with. But I want a day to sit and be good to myself after everything I've been through with my parents passing. 
and people fighting about a headstone and I'm trying to keep my serenity. So I hope you got all that and uh, thank you for your program. And um, life is short and that's another lesson I learned and my happiness is going to be found in my own pocket. I'm glad I've learned those lessons. Thanks. Have a great Thanksgiving. Bye. Tabitha writes, Dear friends, my wife is using heroin right now, again. She is staying with a friend. I am a child of an alcoholic slash drug addict, and I have a story probably like so many others you have heard. I wanted to let you know that I have never felt so desperate for peace and help. I also have never been receptive to the ideas of AA or Al-Anon because I never saw any good come of meetings from my mom. I didn't know who else to turn to which led me to your podcast. I just wanted to thank you for having this out there. It is helping me so much, and I needed it. What you are sharing completely describes everything I have ever felt and experienced. You guys have given me hope, and I am grateful. Still sad and very scared. This is only day one for me. Warm regards and much gratitude, Tabitha. A gratitude sharing from an anonymous listener. Gratitude on Thanksgiving 2018 for my friends. Dear Spencer, first of all, thanks to you. You are in your podcast to become dear friends for me. You are reliable, honest, and make me feel safe, and I know you want my best. I've learned through the program to enlarge my definition of who is a friend, since Elanon has taught me to accept people in my life with their gifts and that everyone is doing the best as they can with what they were given or not given by life. So as an example, recently I asked my loved one who is still drinking if he wanted to work and become a better friend with me, more safety, more intimacy, etc., and he became defensive and did not want to. I was not honestly resentful and accepted that my needs of friendship, positivity, vulnerability, safety, and trust are not fully met in my relationship with him, but I know how to meet them in other relationships in my life, and I let go of this longing for more intimacy with him that he cannot fulfill at least right now. I cannot try to enforce it, and that even if he becomes sober, I have no guarantee that he might be able to give me. He is still struggling, and he is not in recovery, but for today I have peace and not violence towards him, and I am choosing to stay with him. My brother was telling me that I used to have a mental hierarchy of friends, and that he and he was right. Alanon has taught me that every person has special gifts to offer, and that we are all different. The acceptance of this wisdom allows me to be more serene, less judgmental, and controlling of others. Sometimes when I start thinking that I do not have close friends in Al-Anon, I say to myself, they are special kinds of friends, and they love me in a very special kind of way, and know more about my vulnerabilities than my longtime friends. Al-Anon guidelines and principles of acceptance without judgment, and not demanding that my needs are met, allow me to be free, to enlarge my circle of real connections with people, and be realistic on what I can offer and what they can offer. Another example is the circle of people in my church who offer me the bond of support through prayers and a sense of spiritual community and belonging, even if they are not close friends the way I want them to be at times. Alanon has taught me that I belong, and I am not alone. Recently, I have been also trying to become friends with my siblings, to let myself go with them and seek fun occasions and spend more time with them and share more of my vulnerabilities that bind us together. It is an important task for me to complete before I die. So here it is, a lot of gratitude for my friends that are able to give me love and support and encouragement, each one of them in different but equally important ways with their own special kind of love. Well, what am I grateful for right now? I'm grateful that although my parents' health is declining, they are alive and relatively healthy. 
there is still more time to share with them. I'm grateful that my brother made the decision a year ago to move in with our parents to care for them. I am grateful that I have a job that allows me to take time off from my own mental health and to be with my family. I am grateful that we will all be gathering to celebrate Thanksgiving this year. I'm grateful that I finally had surgery on my neck to address a problem that started 30 years ago. I felt that gratitude today in the dentist chair because that used to be torture for me, the position that I had to sit or lie in in the dentist chair really aggravated the nerve in my neck and caused often severe pain. So a lot of gratitude there. I don't know why it took me so long. I'm grateful that today is sunny with the sun shining bright on the white snow. You know, winter winter has come somewhat early for us here in Michigan, but it has its own beauty. I'm grateful that yesterday wasn't quite so cold so I could put lights on the tree outside. I'm grateful that my wife is sober today and especially that we are both in recovery from this family disease of alcoholism. And I'm grateful for those of you who sent in your own gratitudes. Thank you. After a short break, we will continue with our lives in recovery, where we talk about how recovery works in our daily lives and in our meetings. The first musical selection, which you can listen to on the website at therecovery.show slash 269, is Sly and the Family Stone with their song, Thankful and Thoughtful. I just want to read a few lyrics here. Sunday morning, I forgot my prayer. I should have been happy. I still be there. Something could have come and taken me away, but the main man felt Sly should be here another day. That's why I got to be thankful. Yeah, yeah. I got to be thoughtful. Aha, thankful. You got to be thoughtful. Encouraging us to be thoughtful about our gratitude, I guess. In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery, what's happening in our meetings and in our lives. It's been a couple of weeks since I've been here with you. So about a week ago, I took the weekend to drive some teenagers to Indianapolis for a church youth conference, which I think they enjoyed very much. Unfortunately for me, a few days before that, I had come down with a cold and I really wasn't sure whether I was going to be able to to drive them and then be there for the weekend, you know, sleeping on the floor and so on. But I got well enough by Friday to make the trip and I really focused on taking care of myself. I tried to, you know, be a participant in the conference where I could, when I could. But when I felt that I needed to lie down, when I felt that I needed to take a nap, I did because I needed to to keep getting better. I needed to not relapse on the cold. And then the drive home would have been really miserable. It was a great weekend, actually. I learned some stuff. One of the things that happens at these conferences is that there are workshops, most of them led by teens, some led by uh, parents, And there were some really interesting ones that I participated in, particularly one that was led by one of the youth on mindfulness and creative problem solving. I think that the main message of that was that if you try to let go of your preconceptions, you may find, you can find a much more creative way to a solution. There was an interesting experiment that we did where she gave each of us a list of 12 words to memorize. And we had, I don't know, 
three minutes or something to memorize the 12 words. And then we were supposed to be able to write them down in order without looking, obviously, after we had memorized them. And unbeknownst to us, half of the people in the room got the 12 words, but they also got a hint uh, a way to, uh, of a way to maybe help remember them. And the other half of the people did not get that hint. The surprising result was that of the people who got the hint, fewer of us were able to remember all 12 words in order than the people who didn't get the hint. And the message that I take from that, that I took from that is that, and I found the hint actually very helpful. It helped me to remember all 12 words. I was one of the, I was in that group and I was one of the people, one of the few people in that group who actually got them all in the right order. So that hint worked with the way my brain works. But I think what the lesson is supposed to be is that not everybody's brain works that way. And if I take that and I think about how that applies to recovery, to the Al-Anon program, it really you know, emphasizes this thing we say that we don't give advice, that we only share our own experience and take what you like and leave the rest. Because as was demonstrated so clearly there, the thing that worked for me, the hint that worked for me, didn't work for many other people. And the people who were actually left without the hint were able to find interesting, creative ways to remember the words. And, and they remembered more of them, each differently. So that was a good weekend. And then I got busy. I was sick and busy. Yep. And uh, finally managed to get put together Mary Pearl's Step 4 that I released earlier this week. Already hearing from people who are enjoying it. I know I enjoyed it. Let's see. Oh, yes. Also last week, I uh, did that thing that I like to call my boss does my fifth step for me, which is to say annual performance review. And we did something different this year, which is that throughout the year, we had regular meetings where I would write up what I meant to accomplish and what I had accomplished for the last two weeks and the next two weeks. Right. And then doing the review, it was a lot easier to say, oh, wow, well, what happened like back in March? You know, what goals did I have and, and how was I able to meet them? Because there it was, it was all written down. I think his goal is, his hope is that eventually we just get rid of the performance, annual performance review altogether and do it continuously as we go along, which is sort of like step 10. You know, instead of doing a step four and a step five at the end of every year, let's just do step 10 all the way along. It's a lot easier. Okay, so <laughs> relating work to, to program here. Sure, why not? I'm actually taking a couple days off at the beginning of Thanksgiving week because I can and because I have a fair number of things that I want to do around the house and to get ready to go. And I don't want to try to cram them all into a few evenings and the weekend. Um, so again, taking care of myself and and asking that question, how important is it that I have those two more days at work? Turns out, you know, it's it's actually not super important. And if I come back refreshed and able to work more effectively, it's even less important. Or maybe it's important to take the time. Yeah. Anyway, so that's my recent life viewed through a recovery lens. If you want to join our conversation, if you want to express your gratitude, add on to what we've got in the episode today. Or if you have any other questions or topic suggestions, you can call and leave a voicemail at 734 707 8795. You can call right now, 734 707 8795. We also have a voicemail button on the website where you can join the conversation from your computer. 
And if you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at therecovery.show. We would love to hear from you. Share your experience, strength, and hope, or your questions about today's topic of gratitude. And if you have a topic you'd like us to talk about, let us know. Our website, which is therecovery.show, has all the information, including the notes for each episode, links to the music, links to other things that, that we talk about during the episode. So you can find the show notes for this episode, for example, at therecovery.show slash 269. We'll take a break before we look at um, other emails and voicemails that were not about gratitude, your contributions to our conversation here. The second musical selection, also available on the website, will be is ZZ Top with their song, I Thank You. A few lyrics again. You didn't have to love me like you did, but you did, but you did, and I thank you. And that's repeated. And, you know, it's a very straightforward expression of gratitude. You didn't have to do that, but you did, and I thank you. Kelly left us a voicemail. Hi, Spencer. This is Kelly calling, giving you a call from Hong Kong. The sun is coming up here. Uh, yeah, I'm, I've just been listening to you a few years. You remember I had a concussion a few years ago and uh, couldn't get to my regular meetings, so found you then on the internet. And uh, since then, I've been a regular listener, listening to you in places like Venice. <laughs> all over the world. I just want to say thank you because it's such an enormous help, uh, especially if I can't get to a face-to-face meeting. I do let people know often in meetings, usually after the meeting because it's not conference-approved literature, just about how the recovery show is a pretty much a meeting in my pocket. And I've just picked up a good book about emotionally unavailable parents, which has been really helping me. So I'll send that uh, book through to you. That's about all. Say hi and thank you and keep keep doing it because we keep coming back. Bye. And then an email. Following up on the voicemail message I had just left, discovered this book by Lindsay Gibson, Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents. It's insightful and unpacks the qualities along with the reasons for emotionally unavailable people and how to heal, create boundaries, and seek out emotionally available people. It's much of what I've learned in Al-Anon, but consolidates it in a way that removes the denial and explains why emotionally unavailable family members or parents won't change unless they find ways to self-reflect. It also discerns the differences between internalizing and externalizing personalities. While a little simplistic insofar as Gibson suggesting it's these externalizing personalities that end up with addiction, or are mostly seen in AA, she does account for gray thinking and people being a mix of such characteristics. In other words, she simplifies concepts for accessibility. It's also helping me see where I've fallen or fall short in some of my emotional maturity inventory, and why it's best to leave emotionally immature people to it, unless you enjoy banging your head against a brick wall. All in all, The book contextualizes labels like narcissistic and unavailable and offers tools. It's been a great help for me. Of course, learning from such sources helps me make better knowledge-based decisions, but recovery is an action. If I could get better from reading, I wouldn't have ended up in the rooms. Thanks, Kelly, for your messages and for the suggestion, and I will put a link to that book in the show notes at therecovery.show slash 269. 
with respect to your last statement about if I could get better from reading, I wouldn't have ended up in the rooms. I once heard somebody say, you know, it doesn't say it works if you read it. It's true. A listener shares her experience with a loved one facing jail. Hi, Spencer. Thanks very much for your podcast. I'm fairly new to Al-Anon. Your podcasts have helped me to learn more about how it all works and have given me a, a lot of food for thought. Tonight, I listened to episode 251 on the Spirit in Action interview and also heard you read the email from Katie, who has a relapsing family member who now faces possible jail time. Please let her know she is not alone. In our family, we only became aware of the extent of our family member's problem after our qualifier and an associate were arrested and our lives were thrown into a chaos that has continued now for many months. I have been cycling through shock, fear, anger, and sorrow as additional poor choices and tragedies in my loved one's life have continued to unfold. I don't know what happened that led to this situation. My qualifier won't talk about it. Unfortunately, I don't have any advice to give. We're struggling to deal with the fallout, which is affecting the whole family. Carrie also wrote with her experience. Hi, Spencer. I heard the letter from Carlos in episode 266 and wanted to share my similar experience. I hope you find some peace from my story. Roughly three and a half months ago, my alcoholic husband was arrested for violence against me. His true self is a kind and gentle person with no history of violent behavior, but as the disease progressed, his personality and behavior completely changed. Having been in Al-Anon and other recovery programs, I began to recognize my own enabling behaviors and stop them one by one. Unfortunately, the disease saw my recovery as a threat. My once kind and gentle husband began to terrify me in my own home with verbal threats and scare tactics. One night, I reached a rock bottom of sorts and tearfully begged God to save me from this awful situation. About a week later, he physically threatened me for the first time ever, and it was caught on a home security camera. I knew I had to call the police. The line had to be drawn somewhere. He was arrested and banned from contacting me. The immediate days after, I felt so awful for having him arrested. I knew he would sober up and start to regret his behavior. Even though I was the one threatened, I worried that he would get physically assaulted in jail and about how guilty I would feel if that happened. As it turns out, his time in jail was part of God's plan for both of us. After about a week in jail, my husband found his higher power and sought recovery for the first time ever. Jail was the consequence he needed to want to attend inpatient treatment and be an active, willing participant. After three months in treatment, I agreed to lift the ban on contacting me, and we have been able to safely reconnect. While he is by no means in the clear from addiction, I have been blessed to witness a transformation in my husband like never before. Meanwhile, physical separation and no contact gave me the space for my own recovery. I won't lie, it has been a difficult journey. I was forced to face my fear of being alone, along with my defects like anger and inability to forgive. Three months later, I am in such a better place. I have grown so much from this experience. I don't know if we will ultimately stay married or not, but I do know that for the first time ever, I am okay with not knowing the outcome and just taking it one day at a time. Thanks, Carrie. Hi, I'm Mike from Grand Rapids, Michigan. I have a quick question for you. I heard you mention healthy meetings a few times, and I'm curious as to what you mean and consider a healthy meeting. I find it difficult to get to meetings due to my work schedule, so my choice of meetings in my area is limited. Most of the meetings I've tried seem to be more of a gathering of friends, even the beginner's meeting, which is mostly old-timers. It doesn't seem that many people are focused on the program, but use it more to catch up or talk about their day. After hearing you talk about the meetings in your area, it seems that your experience is more with groups that are focused on step work and applying the program. Is this what you mean by healthy meetings? Well, thanks for the question, Mike. And yeah, pretty much that is what I mean by healthy meetings. Uh, I know 
when I first started in, in the program and I, I was really lucky that the first meeting that I went to, uh, what is one is still going. It is one that really focuses on recovery and focuses on welcoming people who are new to the program and, um, you know, helping to exhibit the program to them, I guess. But I did find some meetings where people were, you know, just talking about their day or complaining about their alcoholic and, and not really focusing on recovery. And I don't go to those meetings because they don't help me. You know, I came to Al-Anon to find help and there definitely at the beginning was some help in just being in a place where I could talk about what was going on without maybe feeling shame, without being judged. But what really helped me was hearing people who were applying the principles of the Al-Anon program, who were working on the steps and, and hearing how doing that had changed their life because that encouraged me to do it myself. And, you know, wow, I mean, Grand Rapids is, is a pretty big city. I, I imagine there must be some meetings there that do focus on program rather than just on, on catching up. You know, your comment about the beginners meeting being mostly old timers. Well, you, you want to have some old timers there so that, you know, they can model the, the program to the beginners, explain the program to beginners. But if they're not doing that, then yeah, it's not very helpful. You know, and there's some people in meetings who they just talk about what happened this week and maybe that's what they need to do. But I, I like to go to meetings where we really keep the focus on recovery and how we get there. So that's what I mean. Janine says, thank you for your podcasts. I've been in Al-Anon for about two months. I have an alcoholic husband and have just realized it. If I can only get one Anne Lamont book right now, which one would you recommend? Thank you. And, you know, Janine, that's that's a hard question. I, I like all of them. I guess I like some of them better than others. I will say the first one that I read was titled Traveling Mercies. And I think that was the one I mentioned. I was reading it on an airplane and, and tearing up there sitting in the airplane seat just with some of the stories that I was reading and the, the realness and the rawness of, of how she expressed, you know, her experience. So Traveling Mercies, I would recommend, although I was at a bookstore today and they didn't have that one. Similar to Traveling Mercies is Plan B, which sort of is subtitled Further Thoughts on Faith, which is sort of a follow-on to, to Traveling Mercies. One that, that I go back to is Help, Thanks, Wow, The Three Essential Prayers, because prayer is something that I still sort of struggle with. And, you know, that very straightforward, like here here are three one-word prayers and, and some discussion of each. It's a thin book, um, well worth it. So there's some suggestions. Uh, see what you can find at your bookstore, because that may be sort of, you know, what determines maybe what you start with. Although Amazon probably has all of them. So that doesn't help, does it? So another, another letter from a listener. I found your podcast, which was recommended to me three weeks ago via a teleconference in Al-Anon after meeting. I found your podcast, which was recommended to me three weeks ago via a teleconference Al-Anon after meeting. I had called into the late night meeting when, sobbing, I finally embraced the fact that I had hit a pinnacle or depth of desperation and had to face that all my wily and clever ways were no match for the situation I had to confront, i.e. my utter powerlessness in controlling my beloved's drinking. I proceeded to binge your podcast while carefully avoiding episode 203, which I suspected would open a Pandora's box and potentially lead me further into a downward spiral. I have to admit, I did hit the laundry list link and ran away as quickly as I could once I perused it. 
Choosing an episode for a newcomer like me was just like deciding which scab from which limb I wanted to peel off. Wow, what an image. And 203, by the way, is the uh, Adult Children of Alcoholics episode with Emily. Over several days, as I heard your stories, experience, strength, and hope woven through the topics you address, I felt as though I was learning some ABCs for a vocabulary I had been searching for. Because of the financial strains my beloved alcoholic and I are facing, I've as yet been unable to buy the literature you reference, but I am thirsting for it. I asked my beloved to jack some books and lit. They distribute for free at his AA meetings. He will next Tuesday. Earlier this week, I suggested a lending library at the third of three Al-Anon meetings I've attended thus far. But two of the officers said that a lending library could be risky because, well, what if the borrower didn't return them? I reminded them of the risks inherent in any honor system. If someone did not return, they either desperately needed them or one day would. Sensing a dead end on that idea, I suggested a pass-the-hat fund for literature, similar to the child care fund women in the room contribute to, and ask for a potential process to that end. I think it fell on deaf ears. I explained that I have to save for gas to get to the meetings, and missed other meetings because of that challenge, and that a post-dated check would break anonymity. All I want is access to the info not accessible in the library, and that since I can't afford home Wi-Fi right now, and that I burn through my cell data plan to listen to the Recovery Show podcast as often as possible, any suggestions about downloading brochures were moot. Jeez, economic barriers to recovery suck. I may as well have cancer and be unable to afford my next chemo treatment. Okay, I may be ranting now, but they actually suggested I find a meeting closer to home and where did I live? Not a solution to my concern. And they pointed out that there were bus routes. Duh. I replied that I live in East Los Angeles, but the meetings were in Spanish, which is why I'm driving to the neighborhood for fellowship. I came away feeling not quite at home. This week I worried about my path forward. Today I was strong enough, desperate enough to listen to 203, ACA, as I began to prepare our rice and beans dinner. I know I need Al-Anon, but ACA might be the place. Nod to, this must be the place by David Byrne, Talking Heads. I stood in my kitchen, thinking about my experience, strength, and hope, and life as that toddler dancing on the freeway. You, Spencer, have given me strength to confront my experiences in a way I believe will restore hope in me. You and your Indiana guests are sharing a path forward to me. I use the present tense for this older episode because you should know that for new listeners, your shared learnings are nascent opportunities, new beginnings for rookies like me, ironically, an old dog trying to learn new tricks. Listening to 203 inspires me to one day build a successor 12-step program for adult children of alcoholics who have left an imprint on adult children. (laughs) Oh, maybe one day you would do a podcast on the economic barriers to recovery and the disparate sighting of Al-Anon and ACA meeting locations, both urban and rural. Google map ACA meetings in Los Angeles County, 5,000 square miles with 10 million plus residents. The urban Planner and me noticed that communities of color lacked access points. On the other hand, court-mandated AA programs are more accessible. Hmm. Well, this is pretty much a fairly large stream of consciousness, brain, and emotion dump for a single email, but you have managed to both inspire and incite me. Best regards, Cat. And thanks for writing, Cat. And I, you know, some people seem to live in the problem, and it sounds like the folks at that meeting that that you were trying to talk to them about making literature available or living in the problem and not in the solution. Sometimes we get a newcomer at one of my meetings and they really want to buy one of the books, but they don't have any money with them. And I always tell them, take the book, pay us when you can, knowing full well that there's a risk they won't ever come back. 
and that we won't ever see any money from them for the book. I figure, like you said, if they need it that badly, then it should be a gift to them. Not, you know, it's just, yeah, okay, so if you have a lending library, somebody might not bring the book back. But, I don't know. I I don't understand the attitude. I, I, I just don't. Um, yeah, I guess that's what I got. Sally writes, hi, I'm a recovering alcoholic, 20 years sober with a son who is struggling to get sober and keeps relapsing, who is currently living with me. I just discovered your podcast. I listen to a lot of podcasts on recovery, but I am so enjoying and learning from your on approach to living life. Thank you so much. All the best, Sally. And and thanks, Sally, for that. And finally, uh, Colleen left us a voicemail. Hi there, Spencer and company. This is Colleen in Tennessee. Uh, been a while since I've uh, shared a thought or two. I've gotten away from listening, although I kept going to my meetings. And I've been playing catch-up, and it's been wonderful to hear your voice, hear Eric's voice and others on uh, this road to recovery. I consider you all part of my recovery family. Spencer, I I so appreciated your uh, attempts to practice recovery in all your affairs, especially in dealing with the circumstances surrounding your your parents. And one of the things that you had shared really got my attention, and it has brought me so much serenity, the idea of admitting that you were powerless over dementia. I I just thought that that was brilliant, and I have applied that in my own life in different aspects of my life where I feel powerless. I feel powerless over my son's anxiety. He's only 10, but boy, oh boy, is he becoming an anxious little booger, and it is causing a lot of stress. I also am in my second marriage. We're about six years into our relationship and three years into our marriage, and I've realized that my husband has Asperger's or is on the autism spectrum. (laughs) He does not know this, but it's, it's pretty evident uh, and he has some siblings who are similar. So that's been a very interesting thing for me to work through on my own. I, I kind of feel like it's part of that sobriety journey maybe for an alcoholic. It's his job to come to the realization on his own. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but my job is to figure out how to manage myself in the relationship, which can be very difficult at times with some of those symptoms or characteristics, I guess. And so admitting that I am powerless over autism, at some points my life feels a little unmanageable. It has just been so relieving to really work on practicing these steps in all my affairs through that life. So just Thank you so much. It it was just been such a gem just to get back into the practice of listening to the recovery show. I find Mary Pearl hysterical and relatable on so many levels. She's so humble, and it's just endearing to listen to her. So thank you uh, for sharing her voice as well as the voice of so many others by way of speakers and opportunities to share like this and and all the ways that you do this work. 
I am so grateful. I know many others are. So thank you, and I hope that you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Colleen shared some experience, strength, and hope on her thoughts on powerlessness. Thank you. We've got a voicemail just in from Barb as I was recording the episode. Hi. I just listened to a podcast I think was this week regarding what you're thankful for for Thanksgiving. Maybe you've already done the show, but I just found your recovery podcast, so I'm not sure. Anyway, I want to say I'm very thankful for these podcasts. This is wonderful. And also, I noticed this is a 734 number, which I assume you're in Michigan, because I'm from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Yeah, I'm very, very thankful for Alan on in Ann Arbor. It's wonderful. So that's what I want to thank you for having the podcast. Well, thank you, Barb. Glad you found us. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to The Recovery Show, but we do have expenses. You can help to support us and keep us on the web. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Susan, Mary, Charlotte, and Debbie did. And thank you again, Susan, Mary, Charlotte, and Debbie. Our last song selection is by Earth, Wind, and Fire, titled Gratitude. And again, you can listen to that at therecovery.show slash 269. Just a few lyrics here. We just want to give gratitude, yeah. We got plenty of love we want to give to you, yeah. With feel-good music, we're trying to say, thank the good Lord's going to make a way. Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time.